Hi, I'm Vedant. And I'm Matt. And together, we will be discussing and analyzing a wide range of topics under lifestyle, pop culture, and society. For this week's episode, our first segment involves reviewing and analyzing Dua Lipa's new album, Future Nostalgia, and how it has been helping to raise people's spirits amidst the COVID-19 crisis. For our second segment of this podcast, we will be analyzing the biggest scandal on RuPaul's Drag Race USA, leading to the disqualification of contestant Shari Pai mid-season and how it has been affecting the show in general. Hi Matt, how are you? I'm well, thanks Vedan. How about yourself? Not too bad. I've been enjoying my days off, isolating like other people, just stepping out for work. What have you been up to in the past weekend? Not much because it was the Easter weekend, so I spent a good amount of time at home, apart from one work shift. And look, I would like to say I've been... uh, Productive. Yes, at home, but I really haven't been. I've just been eating a lot, essentially. How much is locked? Uh, I would say an average of six hot cross buns a day for the last week. Can you actually fit that many hot cross buns in your mouth? Yes, I can fit all six at one time. (laughs) I have a lot of experience with fitting large things in my mouth. Interesting. Uh, A lot of information for our listeners, but moving on. Uh, How have you been? How have you been surviving isolation? Uh, have you been productive with your time? Have you been finding you I've can actu- do a lot of activities? Yeah, yeah. I've actually been pretty creative. I've picked up my hobbies of painting, of gardening. I've actually started this podcast. So I'm getting my creative flow, creative juices going. And it's been pretty good. Now that you've brought this up, I always wanted to ask, what's with that weird tradition of egg hunting and stuff which goes around Easter? Okay, well, essentially on Easter Sunday, Mm. uh, the parents hide a whole lot of chocolate eggs around their garden and sometimes in public places for all the children to try and find and collect in their Easter baskets. Right. And they essentially tell the children that a giant rabbit in the form of the Easter bunny hid them there overnight. So he brings all these chocolates to the children. So basically a giant fluffy rabbit hiding eggs around the garden. Yeah, it's actually pretty weird if you think about it. Well, that sounds just like my best friend Nikita's sexual fantasy. So, I mean... That is disturbing. (laughs) I hope she's not listening to this podcast. Look, if she is, it's fine. I'm sure that, you know, she'll get a few like extra followers on her (laughs) Instagram account. I mean, shout out to you, Nikita. You know, we love you, babe. So just don't worry. (laughs) So when we start talking about current events at the moment, things in the news, really the one thing that has been dominating the news cycle and our lives for the last few months has been COVID-19. I mean, it's really hard to talk about anything else. That's actually true. Whenever I open my phone and I want to read something... I cannot get to my favorite topic without reading five articles about coronavirus and stuff around it. Like, it's pretty messy. It is really overwhelming. And so many aspects of our society have been really greatly affected by it. One of them has been the entertainment industry, specifically the music industry. Um, So many artists have almost become essentially unemployed during this period. They can't do any live performances and a lot of them are having trouble releasing new music. It's just 
really difficult. It's such a shame though, because when we're sitting in Australia and we're talking about current events, Australia was already impacted by the bushfires and Miley Cyrus actually decided to do a charity concert to raise money and funds for the people affected by the bushfires, but she had to cancel it because of coronavirus and sudden social gathering restrictions. So yeah, it's pretty true. Yeah, absolutely. So essentially there are no live concerts for the foreseeable future. Mm. And even major label artists have had their kind of schedules affected. I mean, not to the same degree as indie artists and smaller artists, obviously, but when it comes to new music being released, a lot of major artists have essentially delayed their new albums indefinitely. So Sam Smith was going to release a new album around now and he's delayed that release until July or something. And I think Lady Gaga was going to release her new album, Chromatica, and she's delayed that indefinitely. So we don't know when that's going to be released. And another artist who was thinking about delaying her album release was Mm -hmm. Dua Lipa, who we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. And she was going to release her second studio album, Future Nostalgia, on the 3rd of April, which was a couple of weeks back. And... Like so many people, she just was thinking about, well, is it appropriate to release and yeah. new like new music yeah. in the middle of a global crisis? And so she was thinking about pushing, pushing it, it back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she didn't really have a choice in the end because the album was leaked online. So someone hacked in and got it. Oh no! Yeah, last month. So a couple of weeks before it was meant to be released. So she really had no other option. So wait, but to so release wait. It. Like Sam Smith delayed his album and Lady Gaga has delayed the release of her album. Yeah. So were like all the homosexuals actually banking on Dua Lipa for their <laughs> entertainment? Like, is that what you're trying to say? Well, I mean, the gays just would have had nothing to listen to. Nothing know, new, like, like no new content. They would have gone crazy if they would have been devastated. Oh, um, I mean, it really was a service. Thank you, Dua. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in all honesty, I mean, music leaking is a real pain in the ass, And, you know, it was a bit of a shitty thing to have happened. So Dua was in two minds about it. I know that she was actually put quite an emotional video up on Instagram where she was in tears talking about how she was so affected by the crisis yeah. and... Uh, so overwhelmed and she really didn't want to release it at the time, but then she th- was thought that that was all she could really do. And she didn't really know what the response would be. But overall, I think the response has been overwhelmingly positive to the album. Like almost. Yeah. Like positive. I just want to point out, like I haven't listened to the entire album on a stretch, but whatever couple of songs or a few songs I've heard, I think they're pretty good and they absolutely get you grooving and they're very upbeat and very positive so i think i can imagine how good the rest of the album would have been but what's the critical acclaim like how has the critical reception been has there been any negativity around the album do you think like there's been something not at all i mean this is her second album as i said before Mm -hmm. and it seems like she's stepped it up artistically and she's stepped into um a league where she's able to show a lot of artistic growth yep. and really put her own individual stamp on the album and stand out from the kind of crowd of pop stars. And 
it's got a really good reception critically, commercially. The fans have really responded very well to it. And I think that there are two main reasons that the album has got such a good response in the middle of a crisis. The first is that people are isolating at home, so they have more time to listen to music, obviously. I mean, the both of us have been listening to more music. And secondly, it's a really upbeat album, Mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to it. And it's a pretty positive album, and I think it's something that people can use to let them escape from all the horrible things that are happening and, you know, distract them from the crisis and, you know, give them some uh, some positivity and kind of raise them up a bit. And yeah, yeah, especially. And, like, when you talk about standing out and doing something on an artistically different level, I think when you have not to make any comparisons... But when we talk about the music industry and when we talk about pop artists in general, you have the strongest of the strongest. You have Ariana Grande, you have Lizzo, you have Billie Eilish, you have um, Robin, and all of them have been in at some point or the other releasing new music. So to actually release an album and stand out with it artistically must have been so difficult for her. But I think, like you're saying, she's done it seamlessly and well if she was nervous she has nothing to be nervous about because the album's doing well yeah it's definitely doing really well and i've listened to it a couple of times Mm -hmm. and what are your thoughts on it well i would say that overall it's a very cohesive album it's about 11 tracks long right and it's much shorter than her debut album which was something like 17 or 18 tracks it was quite a long album and i did read that during the sessions of the album, they wrote and recorded about 60 songs. So they whittled it down to 11 tracks. So it seems like Dua really has gone for, I guess, quality over quantity yeah. in terms of the output. Definitely. And it's a really cohesive unit, a cohesive body of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think when we talk about just even trimming the songs or releasing the album amidst this crisis, it goes on to show how much hard work and how much effort her entire team including the producers the directors the songwriters and dua herself have put in to actually make this album a success and it's still faring like if you look at uh dua's twitter accounts and instagram accounts because when i was doing when i was thinking about this podcast and when i was doing a bit of research and i hadn't personally gotten time to listen to the entire album but i still went on to her social media pages And I saw that she actually has been engaging people. She actually has been using tools from her album to tell people to stay asking people or motivating people to stay positive, to stay upbeat, to stay grooving and do not lose hope. And like she's actually been giving out inspirational things for people to do while they're staying at home. And I think it's pretty great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from the songs you've heard so far, you said you haven't listened to the album. What is your favorite? Well, two things make this song my favorite. I will tell you the first is that it's got an absolute festival hippie vibe, which I don't know, for some reason I have been into lately. And the second reason is that I saw this meme where RuPaul is jamming to that song and it says gays on their porch listening to future nostalgia. And I think that's Hallucinate. <laughs> I absolutely love Hallucinate. It's an amazing song. 
and I've played it a couple of times. And yeah, what's your favorite song? Uh, well, before the album was released, this was my favorite song out of the singles. Mm-hmm. After I've listened to the entire album, it's still my favorite song. And that's the second single, which was Physical. Yeah. And look, I think it's the best just because it's a perfectly composed pop song. Now, Matt, I know you've studied music. So when we talk about future nostalgia as a whole, can you maybe, if you had to, I know you're a big Dua Lipa fan, but if you had to fault the album on musical notes, do you think is there something where she's missed maybe in the synths or in the tones or are there songs which maybe should have been a little more calmer than, well, I've heard physical, don't start now, break my heart and hallucinate. Are there any calmer songs in the album which balance out against these upbeat songs? No, there's actually a lot of diversity stylistically on the album. Mm -hmm. It's mostly rooted in dance and disco music so it's inherently upbeat Mm -hmm. Uh, but the closing track which is boys will be boys is essentially a ballad Uh, so there's one there's also another song called good in bed which is probably Dua Lipa at her more showing a more humorous side of her yeah Um, and that's it's almost like a sort of a piano based it's a very British pop song it sounds like 90s Brit pop yeah And it's based around the piano and guitar. It's a bit of a slowed down. It's a bit of a different vibe compared to the other kind of electronic numbers uh, that we've heard so far. Yeah. And especially interesting because uh, a lot of the references to these songs are from the 70s, 80s, 90s, where Madonna, YMCA, Sing, In Excess, Gloria Gaynor, Olivia Newton-John, all of them performed. And she's drawn samples. I know for physical, she's actually samples Olivia Newton-John's Let's Get Physical. But uh, what was, I'm forgetting, what were some of the other uh, samples that she, or or songs that she sampled in her songs? Do you know about them? Yeah, so you're absolutely uh, correct. So for physical, she essentially uh, references Olivia Mm Newton-John's physical from 1980, from the early 80s. Which is also a banger. Yes. So she references kind of a, one of those a kind of classic cheesy pop song from the early 80s. And on her single, Break My Heart, uh, that essentially samples the famous guitar riff from Need You Tonight by In Excess, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of the biggest, I think, rock songs from the 80s. So she definitely is drawing references and sampling yeah. uh, from a lot of songs from you know, that period of the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Now that we've talked about how she samples stuff from the 70s and 80s and she's taken references from a lot of artists in that time, do you think this all ties up to the title of the album, which is Future Nostalgia? Yeah, definitely. So I think the reason this album is called Future Nostalgia is because... Well, what Joa has said is that she was looking back at a lot of that music, that disco, pop, mm. rock, funk music from the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to draw from that, but then she wanted to bring it into the present. Yeah. So that's why the future's there. So it's essentially future nostalgia. And especially considering this album is being released in 
the new decade. Yep. So 2020 is the first year of the new decade. Uh, I guess that was some of the thinking behind the album title. But yeah. actually, and now when we talk about smart thinking, when we talk about she playing it clever, I think in another thing which I thought she played really clever was releasing double music videos for some of her songs. Like she released two music videos for physical. I am pretty sure one mm. was the one where she's iconically roller skating and yeah, has, that's the first, yeah, the, yeah, the music, the official music, music video. video yeah. yeah. And the second one is where she's in a leotard and she's actually teaching a workout routine along with singing physical in short promoting her new album but in a really fun in a really exciting way so how do you think that fares with people who are sitting at home isolating and listening to her album and watching this workout video well i think it was probably a bit of a coincidence to be honest uh she decided to release a second video that was in the style of one of those really cheesy 80s workout videos um set to her song physical uh, so it's sort of half music video, half actual workout video because she's doing a workout routine in uh, while sort of lip syncing to the song. Are you sure she didn't know about COVID-19 coming up? Because well, like... no, I don't think so because this was released a few months ago, at least mm. before all the major lockdowns. So I guess it's just a coincidence that maybe most of us just songs, after yeah. this was released, people could actually do a workout at home to but also, a workout video. But also now to think of it, most of her songs actually have titles which promote social gathering restrictions like in break my heart she says i should have stayed at home because i was doing better alone that is true and of yeah and in physical or in don't start now she says don't start now don't come out so i think it's pretty interesting that um not just to a generation or not just to people but this album and the songs of this album actually relate to something which is going on in the world right now well, it is, I guess, a bit of a weird coincidence. Yeah. I have seen a few memes floating around, but Dua herself actually uh, released a video mm-hmm. that was sort of a semi-serious thing where she just cut the lyric of her song, Break My Heart, uh, which just says, uh, stay at home. And she essentially just looped that on yeah. repeat. <laughs> and then at the end said, stay at home. And to help flatten the curve, yeah. <laughs> uh, like for her followers. Yeah, interesting. Uh, which was uh, quite an amusing thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, this is a really interesting era. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, for all the people out there who haven't listened to the album, and I would include myself in those people, let's go and listen to this album because... I would recommend it. It's really yeah. good. And some I of think, the songs, yeah, yeah, some of the songs which I've heard are a banger and I can't. I absolutely cannot wait to hear the rest of the songs. Yeah, I definitely recommend. I think that it has a lot of, of songs that will appeal to a wide range of people. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gay especially. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the second segment of this podcast. In this section, we will be discussing how a reality TV show contestant got disqualified mid-season because she was involved in catfishing and illegal activities. Yes, we are talking about RuPaul's Drag Race, the biggest scandal in RuPaul's Drag Race history ever. Now, for all those who do not know what RuPaul's Drag Race is, 
It is a competition where drag queens from all across the world take part in sewing competitions, fashion runways, celebrity impersonations in order to win $100,000 at the end of the competition and are named America's Next Drag Superstar. In order to shed light and spill tea, we have in studio my dearest friend, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Hola, listeners. Hola, the How are you today? Magical. It's a magical day down in the country. <laughs> so, Daniel would be helping us untuck the new season and the new episode, plus throwing a lot of light, a lot of shade, and spilling tea. Oh, tea, while oh, shade. Yeah. While I sip my tea about Sherry Pie. Let's get into it, Daniel. What are your, let, let's talk about what are your thoughts on this entire scandal in general? Involving the one Sherry Pie, a.k.a. Yes, Alison sh- Mossy. Uh, well, well, I like to call her Shitty Pie. Wait, what's, what's Alison Mossy? Alison Mossy. Well, let's unpack that together, shall we? Mm-hmm. Well, Sherry Pie's allegations, for anyone that has read it or does not know, Sherry Pie was disqualified for catfishing. And the catfishing in question was done under the pseudonym Alison Mossy. And oh, so she was actually acting like an agent named Yes, right. whole fake identity used Ooh. to exploit people. Now, there is various sources people can look up on the internet that mm-hmm. corroborate this all together and victim statements, but the contestant that has been disqualified, Sherry Pie. Or as I like to call her, Shitty Pie. Shitty Pie. Oh, you know, no. just... What is a shitty pie? I like apple pie. I like custard pie. So, I don't don't know. If you're not a fan of peach pie, maybe peach. No, peach pies are nice. I've I've tried like a peach cobbler pie. It's it's really good. Okay, let's let's not get our listeners hungry. Let's talk about Sherry Pie. Anyone ready for dessert? (laughs) So, let's discuss then shitty pie. Yeah. Well, Shitty Pie's pseudonym of Alison Mossy mm-hmm. was a fake contact provided to people that were in touch with the contestant in hopes of landing roles in theatre, possible right. auditions that would be successful in the process of getting onto RuPaul's Drag Race. They were put oh. in touch. Yeah, put in touch apparently with a contact named Alison Mossy, and Alison Mossy could get you through and... All you would have to do in favour is provide requested videos. Um, What kind of videos are we talking about? A lot of fetishist videos Mm -hmm. and of awkward sexual nature. Right. Victims on statement, various ones, have claimed that they've sent through ones regarding weird lewd sexual acts, all of which can be researched and found on the internet and the victim statements. And so that these videos have not been leaked out anywhere, have they? Well... Not that can be found. I'm guessing right. the internet itself has done its job there, but the victim's and, statements. And yeah, maybe maybe the patrolling team also would have, if there were any, would have wiped out all traces of it from the internet. Indeed, and hopefully that's the case for the victims yeah. involved. Definitely. Light of this was made by the victims making their statements, mm. and as a result, cherry pie was disqualified. The disclaimer puts that before the start of each episode, even from the very beginning of the premiere episodes. So Sherry Pie is disqualified from the finale. And 
memes, unfortunately, have surfaced around the Alison Mossy character and Sherry Pie, yeah. considering the fact that a Mossy balls to the wall Alleganza extravaganza look was presented on the Ball Ball episode. Yeah, yeah. Now, now that you've now that you've actually touched on that topic, I do want to discuss. So, in well, this obviously she was a part of the second premiere. So, for the people who do not know, RuPaul's Drag Race USA followed the two premiere format, which was also for season six. Season six. Was, yeah, and she was a part of the second premiere, and all of this came out after the third episode had aired. Yes, the episodes are filmed in advance. Um, this came to light just before the beginning of the season premiere. That's interesting, uh, Daniel, because uh, when you say that the this all came out into light before, like before the season premiered, why do you think do you, do you know like a reason why they did choppy editing in maybe? episode four and episode five where they didn't show her runways and they didn't show her interviews but she was left her runway looks and her interviews were there in episode two and three honestly there's no definitive on that except the rush process for editing and just going through it as best they could Mm. and um the covid situation soon arose as well and everything would have clashed so oh yeah true yeah they've gone over done the best they could but it's a little bit off. Um, that's kind of like disappointing. But like, do you also now now that you've also brought that up? I also do want to ask you in just like a quick uh, moment. Do you think because of COVID nineteen they would be doing their live grand finale? That is an excellent question, dear Vedan. I couldn't say. I wouldn't think so. To be honest, not at this point. Everything is so crazy. America has affected very much the same capacity Australia is going through. Yeah. Um, and it's a live thing as it goes. Yeah, and, and and the live audience is huge. Like, they have, like, I'm guessing about 2,000, 3,000 people. Yeah, they fully fill out a theatre. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, and the fact that Sherry's disqualified which leaves the lip sync for the crown format that they've kept since season nine. Yeah. Everything is very up in the air. On a serious note, I think this is a pretty heinous thing and... um, It's a very criminal thing and a very traumatizing and damaging Not just fans, not just... Yeah, not just fans, not just producers. But I think the contestants are getting affected. And um, as we were discussing before, I think you were saying how Jan and Shay must have had some dialogue about the Snatch Game. Do you want to like... I believe uh, they very well might have, considering the Snatch Game characters they selected. We have Jan as Bernadette Peters. And Mm -hmm. we have Sherry giving Catherine Hepburn a crack. And just considering their backgrounds in acting their contribution to theatre, I thought there could have very well been room for the dialogue between that, considering Jan had a very strong opening joke when introduced as Bernadette. And, yeah, there's certain sequences that seem to be missing with Jan. No, yeah, definitely. And this does not give the entire show a wholesome uh, opportunity to present itself where one contestant's interviews have been cut out and 
because of that they have to cut out obviously another contestant's interviews so yeah this is definitely a thing which is quite annoying and let's be honest um rupaul's drag race has never been about something like this so this is pretty serious and i think the producers are handling it the best they can do i would agree i mean it's a whole new ballpark i mean the show has to overcome yeah. all kinds of things that are will get thrown at it and the stuff in the world at large i mean they've made as much a statement as they can in relation to donald trump being president you know the yeah the divisive rhetoric, as Nina West put it, from season 11, everything that's coming in, they try and tackle the issues as they come. But it's like an attack from yeah. within, the whole Sherry situation. Um, they're up for election for the possibility of bringing someone new that will, you know, not divide up the country or instill fear or put anything bad out there like that. And, you know, the whole COVID situation is taking the entire world by storm. And it's just, it's a lot. There's a lot of limitations, a lot of restrictions, and they are going to have to give it the best they can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, Daniel, I do want to ask you that when we talk about uh, the latest episode and latest season, which I also want to recap for our listeners... Do you think that Jan was a better deserved candidate to win the main challenge than Gigi? Another good question, Vidan. I'm going to go with, it's complicated. I would say, honestly, <laughs> it could have been a double win challenge. I feel like Jan's flying. You think so? Well, Jan's flying under the radar so far with this season. She is a chameleon in everything she's approaching. She's giving all the talents she already has to present. But in terms of the runway, which is also a crucial part mm-hmm. of any episode with the main challenge, Jan isn't giving you any of the same silhouette. She's meeting the category. She's giving you elevation, stuff that if she wasn't placing just safe all the time, would probably get the feedback of that critique. Now, Gigi, her look she presented for the category of Night of a Thousand Michelles, to me, it just didn't actually read Michelle, even though it was a look. It was you know, out of the box, something Michelle has done. But ultimately, the effect just felt more like a GG look that was simple, but, you know, very likeable. Whereas Jan gave you Glamazonian Airways, Michelle, and it read that way, and it was fantastic, along with her performance in Madonna, the unauthorised musical. Well, what I want to say with um, Gigi's look is that she knows that she's a supermodel. She knows that she's a fashion queen and she knows what her strengths are. So I think she's doing a smart thing in this competition by, and correct me if I'm wrong, by playing to her strengths and knowing that if she plays to her strengths, that's going to put her in the top, which when you have queens predominantly from New York and such stiff competition, you if you want to win the, let's be honest, the $100,000, you do want to play by your strengths and you do want to win as many competitions as you can because that's going to lead you to being in the finale. You want to play by your strengths, but as this series progresses, um, her strength is fashion and being forward. And out of what she has presented so far, that is not the most elevated fashion. It is supermodel material, very simplistic. It's on Mm. brand for something simple she could do. 
Whereas Jan mm-hmm. delivered you what Michelle, Michelle Visage has presented, how she looks and feels is what you get when you looked at that runway. Yeah. And I just think yeah. that Jan's going a little bit uncredited for how well she's done thus far in the competition. Interesting, interesting, really interesting. Now, when we talk about the tops, we've talked enough about the tops being two bottoms. Let's talk about the bottoms of this uh, episode. Britta and Heidi. You know all about that area. (laughs) Well, I know about bottoms. I don't know about Britta and Heidi. So, um, what do you think? Like, do you think that was a fair decision that they were placed in the bottom? I'm going to go with yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Britta's look, she always has the proportions on point. That was a Michelle look. However... The excitement factor versus what she actually did in the Rusical, you know, it was an inevitable placement. In terms of Heidi, mm. Heidi, I, I got the understanding of her critique, not really meeting the Madonna essence, though she performed the shit out of as well as she could. Her look also, mm. I thought, was actually quite beautiful, but, and it was an out-of-box concept, much like how Gigi wanted to present something that was out of the box for a Michelle look. And um, Mm. Heidi's also just didn't give you the Michelle essence. Yeah, I think Heidi was lacking in some areas, but yeah, I think Britta had a simple look and I think she could have nailed it if she just got the earrings right. And as RuPaul said, the devil's in the details. And yeah, if, if, why would, when we talk about Gigi and Jan, if we talk about stiff competition, if we talk about playing by our strengths and nailing absolutely every single thing, then, yeah, I think Britta's in the bottom was a bit uh, kind of predictable because her performance to her looks was a bit shabby and, yeah. Quick question for yeah. you, dear Vidal. What did you think Absolutely of the lip sync burning up Madonna? I personally loved uh, Heidi's interpretation of it, the head bobbling, the wig bobbling. I loved it. Um yeah, I think it made me I love actually, burning up nearly as much as the rest <laughs> of Madonna discography. <laughs> I actually have been listening to that song on loop. Like I was literally listening to it in the shower today morning. So shout out to I mean, Heidi, you're now making us love burning up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, uh, I personally think that Britta did really, really well in the Frozen Let It Go uh, lip sync. She did. She pulled out a bit yeah, of a magic she, trick yeah. as far as she was going. Also, yeah. I just like to say to the listeners out there. But Dart usually is burning up. <laughs> I'm burning up with love for my listeners. Yeah, we'll call it love. Yeah. <laughs> On Ruby March, Bedar. Next. <laughs> Well, thank you, Daniel. That brings us to the end of this podcast. And I would like to thank you for joining us and shedding light and spilling some tea on Shaipa's just qualification and all the stuff that has been going around with RuPaul's Track Race USA Season 12. Ayo, do you have any? No, thank you for letting me through the door. I'm surprised, actually. Wait, the police will be handing you a $1,200 fine as soon as you walk out because of social mm. gathering restrictions. Oh, Vidal, you hot mess. I have connections. Ooh, what kind of connections are we talking about here? Well, it's called a step down. That's a constable. But, you know, you might want to work on your bush burning. Mm. (laughs) A bush is always burning. Let's not talk about that. 
it's getting hot in here. Anyway, moving on. That is not what our listeners signed up for. Um, I hope, do you what have did any, they sign up? Well, they signed up for your closing thoughts on the latest season. Do you have any fighting thoughts on how it's been going or what should the listeners expect if they watch it? All right, listen up, all you unfortunate souls. This season is magical despite the choppy editing and everything that's going on. And amongst that, we need a bit of joy. This is art. Support your queen. Enjoy the drama. Do not put out toxic hate all across social media. And if you want to have access to such a show and have not begun it at all, it is available on Stan in our very own country of Australia. And um, these queens are pretty amazing. I could not have said it better. Thank you, Daniel. Well, to all the listeners out there, this brings the podcast, The Gaily Review, the first very episode to an end. Please show some love. Please follow us. Please subscribe to our channel. It's available on Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor. And if you have any messages, the link will be in the description box and you can hit us up and send us what would you like to hear next week. Stay tuned, stay safe. See you guys. Love us hard.